0: Welcome to The Wrestling House Show, my name is Chris and we have reached the end, we have reached the final night of New Japan Pro Wrestling's New Japan Cup 2018. You are joining me for Episode 9 of this series of Wrestling House Show mini-episodes, all of which you can find on cnjradio.com. So if you've missed any up to this point, I suggest you go to cnjradio.com. Go take a listen to those. They don't take too long. They're all about 20 minutes each on average. And you'll want to catch up, because this show that I'm covering, the finals of the New Japan Cup 2018, really is the culmination of everything that we've seen up to this point in this series, in this tour. But if this is the first time you're listening to one of these Wrestling House Show mini-episodes, then the only explanation you really need to know is that the New Japan Cup is a single elimination tournament the winner of the 16-man tournament, gets to choose which title he challenges for at Sakura Genesis coming up on April 1st. He will get to choose either Kazuchika Okada and the IWGP heavyweight title, Minoru Suzuki and his intercontinental title, or Hirooki Goto and the never openweight title. And tonight we will find out who will make that decision, who will challenge one of those three champions at Sakura Genesis on April 1st. The two men in tonight's main event in the final match of 2018's New Japan Cup are the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Zack Sabre Jr. And if you've been listening to these many episodes, you know that I've been raving about Zack Sabre Jr.'s journey through this tournament. He's been built up incredibly well. He beat Naito in the first round, he beat Ibushi in the second round, he beat Sonata in the third round, and now he's facing Hiroshi Tanahashi, a man who has won the New Japan Cup three times. So he definitely has his work cut out for him. But going into this show, I was pulling for Sabre because, for one thing, Tanahashi has won the cup three times. And I think that Sabre's journey this year has been better than Tanahashi's. I really like Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think he's great. When he's in big matches, he always puts on a great match. I haven't seen a big match of his that I didn't enjoy. And tonight would be no different. I enjoyed the match immensely. I know I kind of sound like a broken record maybe, but I do think that the main events in these shows do keep getting better. I keep picking a new favorite match of the tournament, and this is my favorite match of the tournament, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. But before we get to that match, we have a few tag team matches to talk about, and before we get to that, I need to tell you the stats of tonight's show. So tonight on the Wrestling House Show mini episode, I will be talking about the New Japan Pro Wrestling Show that took place on March 21st, 2018 at 3pm Japanese Standard Time. It is the New Japan Cup 2018 Finals, and it took place in a venue called Aore Nagaoka in the city of Nagaoka in Niigata, Japan. And the attendance was what I believe to be the most of any show on this tour so far, which makes sense. This was a big show. It was a big deal. The attendance for the show was 3,996 people. Kevin Kelly was back on English commentary, and he was thankfully joined by Don Callis, who has been very much missed. Nothing against Kevin Kelly. I like him alright. But Don Callis adds an immense wealth of knowledge and comedy and just great is a great foil for Kevin Kelly. I think that Callus elevates Kelly's game when he's there. So that was great. Callus had me laughing throughout the night. He also provided his own brand of color commentary on that. And Juice Robinson actually did some color commentary in the finals match. And he was really good, actually. I think of all the wrestlers who Kevin Kelly has had join him in the booth for this tour, Juice Robinson was probably the best. But before all of that, of course, we have to start the night with a Young Lions match. It was a singles match. It was the Young Lion Tetsuhiro Yagi versus Shota Umino. And I think this was the best Young Lions match of the tour. Both men were super aggressive in this match. They started off with a lot of strikes, a whole bunch of chops. Uh, They slapped each other in the face. They were going all out, just showing how tough they are in the center of the ring, just trading shots. Umino did start to pull ahead once they got into the actual wrestling of this wrestling match, but Yagi did hit. He hit a drop kick, which... Feels like it's almost his signature move at this point, even though a lot of the Young Lions do drop kicks because as I said on the previous episode, their arsenals are limited by design. But Yagi's dropkick looks good, and he went into a Boston Crab from that. He had Umino in a Boston Crab, and Yagi kept pulling Umino away from the ropes so that, for one, it showed the tenacity of Yagi, and on the flip side of that, it showed the resilience of Umino. He kept crawling, he kept getting pulled back. He kept crawling, he got pulled back again, and then he finally did crawl all the way to the ropes. He grabbed the bottom rope and got out of it. Shota Umino did win the match. He won via submission with a Boston Crab on Tetsuhiro Yagi. But I think this is a really good match for both of them. I do think Umino is a little bit higher in the totem pole as far as the Young Lions go. But I think they're both really good. I really like both of them. But moving on to the next match. Another man who is pretty high on the Young Lion totem pole is Tomoyuki Oka. And he fought in this next match another singles match. It was Oka versus Tai Chi. And this has been a great tour for Tai Chi. He recently got elevated to... The heavyweight division, he was a junior heavyweight prior to the anniversary show, which happened a few weeks ago. But I think he's really coming to his own. And this match, I didn't enjoy as much as the previous match, because it wasn't as competitive. Tai Chi didn't really have much of a problem with Oka. He did take his time. He took his sweet time to even get into the match, really. He didn't take off his ring entrance gear for a long time, and then he slowly took it off. And even when Oka started to come at him, Tai Chi would just hang back on the ropes. And, like, he was doing kind of what Naito does a lot. Just like, hey, just calm down. We'll get to this when I want to get to this. And yeah, so I really like what Tai Chi's been doing. This series of shows in the New Japan Cup have been great for him. He didn't win, he lost in the first round but his personality has really come through, and he's shown that he is a formidable heavyweight. This match, I mean, it was basically a squash match. It went on longer than that, and Oka did get some offense here and there. But Tai Chi did win after a thrust kick. He won via pinfall, and he didn't really have any trouble with it, which is, is something. I mean, it does say that he is at that level. He has risen to that level. But moving right along, the next match was a six-man tag team match. It was the Bullet Club team of... Bad Luck Valet, Tongaloa, and Yujiro Takahashi, with the returning Peter, who I was very happy to see in this match and at ringside throughout the match. And they were facing the team of Toa Hanare, Michael Elgin, and Togi Makabe. And again, I think this was pretty good. It didn't feel terribly special, it did feel like pretty much a standard Bullet Club match. Bullet Club worked as a much better team, as a better unit than their opponents. It was one of those matches where the good guys all got one tag apiece. Hanari actually got two. He got a tag early in the match, or he was legal in the ring early in the match, and then he got into the ring legal late in the match, which of course led to Hanari losing for his team. Tonga Loa pinned to Hanare after his over-the-shoulder reverse pile driver. And so I think this was good for Loa because I had said he was kind of back and forth throughout the whole series of shows where he would get beat up the entire time in some of these matches, and then other times he would do really well. This one he did really well, his whole team did well, there was some brawling, of course, things like that. But to see Tonga Loa get the victory, even though it was on Hanare, who loses an awful lot, but it was good to see Loa get that victory. And then the next match, which I did like this next match quite a bit, which it featured the Killer Elite Squad, and I don't really know of any matches that I haven't liked from them that I've seen recently. So it was Davey Boy Smith and Lance Archer versus the Chaos team of Toru Yano and Tomohiro Ishii. And I don't think that this match was as good as Yano and Ishii's match on the previous show against Chi and Izika. This was a bit more of kind of a standard killer elite squad match where they controlled a lot of the match. They did a lot of big, big moves on their opponents. Ishii took a lot of damage in this one, but he also dealt a lot of damage as well. He managed to get... I had talked about on one of the previous shows about the size difference between Lance Archer and Tomohira Ishii, where Archer just towers over this man who looks like a really big man himself, Ishii. But Ishii got Lance Archer up in a suplex position and held him there. It was a stalling brain buster, and he hit it, like, perfectly on Lance Archer, so that was really great to see. Unfortunately, Chaos did not win tonight, or well, I guess, or maybe fortunately, depending on who you were pulling for, but Davey Boy Smith Jr. pinned Toru Yano after a killer bomb. Yano did do a lot of his cheating tactics, things like that, the turnbuckle spots, the, the low blows, but a lot of his stuff backfired, too. He got thrown into the turnbuckles, and then he threw Davey Boy Smith into the turnbuckles, so it was like back and forth. He went for a low blow, but Davy Boy Smith also hit a low blow, so it was that thing where Yano was getting a lot of payback for the stuff that he's been doing, which, you know, I was alright with that. And Archer, of course, was up to his very obnoxious ways of spitting on everybody he possibly could before the match. Don Callis had an umbrella at ringside that did him very little good as Archer came by. All that did was put a target on Don Callis for Archer to spit spit, and pour water all over Callis as much as he possibly could. So that was pretty funny. Archer did stare down another little kid, another little boy. He actually, like, pushed a barricade into the boy. I don't think he meant to, but he was going through the crowd and knocking a barricade over. And it was leaning up against this little boy. He was just staring up at Archer. And Archer stared down at the kid, but he didn't do what he did to the smaller kid on the previous show that he made scream. He stared him down. And then later in the match, he, he saw two women at ringside with a chaos towel and they were holding it up and he was staring at him. He had his, he had like one leg up over the barricade on a table and he was just perfectly still staring at him as they were hiding behind, laughing, but they were hiding behind the, the towel and Archer eventually like went over and grabbed the towel out of their hands and then he took it and he like rubbed it under his crotch and then threw it on the ground and they were still laughing. So it was pretty good. I enjoyed that. And then Archer, of course, continued to be a jerk. He choke slammed the young lion, Rin Narita, who didn't even have a match tonight. But of course he was at ringside throughout the entire night until after this, probably. I didn't notice him from that point on, but he gave him two choke slams, and then he and Davy Boy Smith called out Sonata and Evil, they want a shot at the IWGP tag team titles. And of course Sonata is at the show, he's in a match later, he didn't come out, and Evil is still recovering from a broken orbital bone that he had surgically repaired. So we'll see whenever he comes back that I'm sure the Killer Elite Squad will be the first defense for the LIJ team of Sonata and Evil. But on to the next match, it was the team of David Finley and Juice Robinson versus the Chaos team of Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto. And this was a good match, it was pretty surprising, but I think... The best part of the match was like the last 30 seconds. Up to that point, it was fine. I enjoyed it, but it wasn't great, and I thought it was okay. But in the last few minutes, it ended up being Goto and Juice Robinson in the ring, and they were pretty much alone. There was a little bit of a breakdown in the match, but they ended up in the in the ring together, and Robinson hit Pulp Friction, his unprettier, on Hiroki Goto, And Juice Robinson pinned the never-open-weight champ. He won the match by pinning Goto. So that was a big deal. That was pretty surprising to me and to the crowd as well. The crowd started buzzing a lot after that because it it was so sudden too. There wasn't like this really big build-up to it. It was just he hit it and it was over. So that that was really surprising. But I really do like it as well because Juice Robinson has had a great tournament. He's had surprisingly really, really good matches throughout this tournament. And even though he did lose in the semifinals, I think he deserves some kind of reward. This is conceivably his reward, and presumably he'll get a never open weight title shot in the near future. So maybe that'll happen at Sakura Genesis as well. But moving right along, this was a match that got the crowd buzzing as soon as they saw the images flash on the screen. It was Los Ingrobenables de Japón versus Suzuki Goon. It was the teams of Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, Sanada, and Naito versus El Desperado, Yoshinobu, Kenemaru, Takashi Izuka, and Minoru Suzuki. And I think this was a good culmination of everything that's been going on and simmering throughout this entire series of shows. There wasn't really anything new to this one, but they just took those feuds that have been building between Suzuki and Naito, and between the tag champs, or the junior heavyweight tag champs, and Bushi and Takahashi, those feuds kind of were amped up a bit in this match. Naito was getting under Suzuki's skin a lot more. Takahashi and Bushi were taking the fight to Desperado and Kanamaru a lot. This was really, really good. I really enjoyed this match quite a lot. Sonata also got a lot of offense in this one. He lost in the semifinals, but he's still right up there. They did come out to Naito's music and not Sonata's music, which makes sense. Naito is still the leader, and he is still at that upper echelon. But Sonata's really close as well. But I like how both of these teams are very committed to the group and even though that Sonata is rising up to the level it's not like Bullet Club where there can only be one leader or one guy at the top. Sonata and Naito have no problems with each other conceivably as of now and yet after a while the match was going on in the ring. Sonata won the match. He forced Izika to submit to his dragon sleeper that he calls Skull End but after a while Suzuki just kind of checked out of the match and he just went after Naito and he was attacking him at ringside. After the match is over, he didn't stop fighting. He actually dragged Naito down through the crowd, behind the seats on the floor, back to some of the like the press area with all the tables and stuff, and wrapped a chair around his head and kept beating him, and he just beat him up until he felt like it was enough and walked away. Naito really didn't... Naito barely defended himself in a lot of these interactions with Suzuki, which is pretty interesting. And I think it's also interesting that Suzuki is the Intercontinental Champ, and Naito held that title last year, But Naito wanted to get rid of the title. He didn't want it. He didn't care about it. He actually wanted to eliminate the Intercontinental title when he was champion. So I don't see the draw for an eventual match between Naito and Suzuki being the title, because I don't really feel that Naito wants it. I feel that he would just want to take it away from Suzuki, but they're really building it up nicely to where this is more of a personal thing between these two guys that just hate each other, and the title just happens to be there. So no, they don't really need the title for that match, but it does add a little level of intrigue to it as well. Like, what will Naito do if he does get the title away from him? So, we'll see what happens with that. Shou and Yo from Roppongi 3K did show up again. There was a brawl after the match between Bushi and Takahashi and Desperado and Kanemaru. Sho and Yo show up, clean house, and basically say they want their titles back. But then that led right into the final tag team match of the night. It was Chase Owens and Kota Ibushi, who have become a pretty decent tag team, versus the team of Chucky T and Kazuchika Okada, with Gato in his corner, as always. And this was good, I did prefer the 8-man tag team match to this one, but seeing Ibushi and Okada in the ring together interacting was great, everything they did was great. I think some of the more interesting stuff happened between Okada and Owens, the two of them ended up in the ring, legal in the ring, at the end of the match, and Owens was getting a lot of decent offense, and he had Okada up in the package pile driver position all the way up and it was lifting him in the air and okada did get out of it he of course didn't get pinned by owens okada won he forced owens to submit to his cobra clutch which has won nearly all of his matches on this tour so far but i thought it was a good match and owens and abushi are a pretty good team at this point but i think chucky t is really showing his worth to this chaos faction he is a very good interference guy Whenever he has someone like Okada, he defers to Okada to take care of stuff in the ring. And Chucky T is the guy that's running around outside. He took care of Ibushi for a really long time and just let Okada overtake Owens. Even though Okada was getting beat up a little bit, Chucky T just removed Ibushi from the equation so Okada could do what Okada does. And Okada wins. He almost always wins over the past few years. So yeah, that was just a good match, a good final tag team match. And that led right into the New Japan Cup final match for 2018. Zack Sabre Jr. with his hype man, Takamichi Noku, versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. And this was fantastic. I love this match. As much as I was talking about it being tough to top, Sabre versus Sonata, this match did. And one of the reasons I think it did is because this match opened up a lot more. Kind of similar to how Sonata was trying to wrestle Sabre move for move, sort of. He was trying to counter Saber and kind of mat wrestle with him. Tanahashi started that way too, and he did well. He he managed to fight Saber off enough to not take too much damage, but you could tell the damage was starting to accumulate. Tanahashi has had problems with his legs, of course, his knee, and of course he has his arm taped up, and his arm did become an issue in this match. But Tanahashi was smart enough and is powerful enough to be able to step out of that, and he forced Sabre into a Tanahashi match at one point, which means a lot of space. Tanahashi was hitting a lot of really big moves. The pace picked up quite a bit, and he was hitting... He hit a high fly flow from the top of the turnbuckle down to the floor. He hit a high fly flow onto Saber's back, and that was a really good part of the match because the way Tanahashi beat Juice Robinson in the semifinals was he hit high fly flow on his back, and then he hit another high fly flow on his front as Juice had flipped over on the mat. Tanahashi went for the same thing in this one. He hit the high fly flow on Saber's back, and this is really late into the match, 20-something minutes into it, and instead of going for the cover, he got up and went up to the top again to hit his second high fly flow onto Saber's front, and that was immediately... I don't think the commentators actually even said anything about that, but I was like, you'd have to pin the guy right there, and he didn't, and that was a huge mistake for Tanahashi. But the match kind of kept on like that. Momentum kept swinging a little bit back and forth with Sabre controlling a lot of the first half of the match and Tanahashi controlling a lot of the later portions of the match. But you could tell that he was still taking damage and the stuff that Sabre was doing was starting to take a toll. And eventually it ended up where Tanahashi was down on the mat with Sabre again. And this was late in the match. The match lasted for nearly 35 minutes. And Saber actually went back to some of the holds we've seen in this tournament so far. So it was one of those things where Saber's been doing all of these different moves and different holds throughout the tournament. But in this match, he was doing a lot of new ones as well. But he was also going back to stuff that had been working for him previously in the tournament. He got Tanahashi down on the mat and started to wrap his legs up. He did the thing where in the Naito match, in the first match of the tournament for Zack Sabre Jr., how he beat Naito. It was that move where, I didn't know how to describe it, where he had one leg hooked around Naito's leg, and the other leg of Naito around his neck, like a stretch muffler, and he was down on the mat. And that was where I was saying that Naito couldn't move, there was nowhere for him to go. And Sabre started putting that on Tanahashi, and you could tell that's what he was going for, but he didn't have that second leg hooked around behind his own neck. So Tanahashi was still able to kind of flip over and he still had leverage to move and try to get out of this. And he almost did. They were really close to the ropes, but you could see Saber thinking and looking and feeling for what he could do. And he had to push up on his back and push backwards back into the center of the ring, and then he did manage to pull Tanahashi's leg behind his own neck. So I found out later that Zack Saber Jr. calls that orienteering with napalm death. That's a that's a big name and a very violent name for the move, but it really works because he did have that other leg of Tanahashi hooked in such a way it was kinda it was like pushing against his the back of his calf and his knee with one leg stretching his crotch out and his other with his other leg behind his own neck and Hiroshi Tanahashi tapped out to Zack Sabre Jr. Zack Sabre Jr. defeated the ace of New Japan and became only the second westerner the second non-Japanese to ever win the New Japan Cup and I watched the show about a day after it happened and I stayed away from the internet completely for that for between the time that the show happened and the time that I actually got to watch it. Because I didn't want this match spoiled in any way. And I'm glad I did that. Because this was a fantastic finish to this match, to this tournament. I was cheering when I was watching it. When, when that happened, when I saw Tanahashi actually give up. I mean it's a huge deal I think it was it was a big deal for me and I think it's an even bigger deal for New Japan. Right, Zack Sabre Jr has had already had a an amazing amazing month and now he gets to go on to challenge the champion of his choice. And he made his choice immediately after the match. Takamichi Noku got on the mic and was doing his thing talking up Zack Sabre Jr and Zack Sabre Jr and he asked Sabre he had a question for him and he asked him who are you going to challenge? and Zack Sabre thought about it for like two seconds, and he is picking Kazuchika Okada. So there will be an IWGP heavyweight title match on April 1st at Sakura Genesis. Kazuchika Okada putting his title on the line in his 11th title defense against Zack Sabre Jr. And Okada came out to the ring with Gato. It was a really great moment where you had Sabre and Okada just kind of standing there, as Taka started talking, and then Gato put his hand right in Taka's face, took the mic away from him, and Gato started talking up Okada, and then as he was getting to where he says Rainmaker, Taka put his hand in Gato's face and took the mic back, and it was, I want to see a match between them two on that show as well, but we'll see if that happens, but I cannot wait for Okada versus Saber. It's going to be a fantastic match, I can already tell. It's going to happen in a little over a week, So even though this is the end of the New Japan Cup and the end of this series of WHS mini-episodes, of course I will have to do another episode when I watch Sakura Genesis, but in the meantime I'll hopefully be able to catch up on all the WWE and stardom that I've been missing since I've been watching pretty much exclusively New Japan for the past week and a half, two weeks, or however long it's been. But I did have a lot of fun doing these episodes, I hope you enjoyed listening to them, and yeah, like I said, more to come. And you will be able to find all of those episodes on cnjradio.com, the home of the Wrestling House Show, and of course the home of the network of CNJ Radio podcasts, including Joey's Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less, Randy Brown's The Synaptic, A True Alternative, and of course my last theater on the left, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. Go there to cnjradio.com for all of that. Find our Facebooks and Twitters through the .com. Let us know what you think of everything we do, and I will talk to you later. Bye.